All right, so we're going through these six foundations that are found in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. And we've, we've talked about repentance. We've talked about repentance from dead works is the way the phrase is used there. We've talked about faith towards God. And now we're in this idea of baptisms. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about baptisms. There's several different kinds. Uh, next, next time we're going to talk about laying on of hands, resurrection, eternal judgment, and get into all that. Now we're in this doctrine of, or teaching. The word doctrine just simply means teaching. We're in this idea of baptisms. What is baptisms? Okay. Now we've looked at the idea of baptism as washing. Remember we talked about some of the different purification rituals and things like that, that that's in the Old Testament. Um, we, baptism, we looked at it as an idea of cleansing and water baptism would be the idea of going through the, the ceremony that is, is, is kind of an outward experience of what's happened on the inside of a person. So we looked at the baptism of John. Remember John, he's, he's actually known as John the Baptizer. Uh, he, he, that's kind of his ministry. That's what he does. He baptizes people at the Jordan River. His was a baptism of what? Remember? It's a baptism of repentance. Rep calling people. He, he's the forerunner of Jesus. He's the one that goes before him to prepare the way and, and, and get people's hearts prepared. So to, in order to get your heart prepared to receive Jesus, there has to be this act of repentance. That's what John's doing. Then we, then we saw the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River. Kind of went through some of that detail. And then we talked about the idea of being baptized into Christ, what it means to be a believer, to be in Christ, and also to have Christ in you, that, that, those two parallels. And then the idea of baptized into the body of Christ. We're literally immersed into the body, which is the family of God. Uh, then we spent some time last week on believer's baptism, uh, which we also know it as water baptism. So today we're going to get into a, a, a different subject. I believe we're going to be on it this week and next week. Let's talk about what the Scripture calls the baptism with the Holy Spirit, okay? Everybody familiar with that term? You've heard of that? All right, now here, here's the thing. The baptism with the Holy Spirit, this is the most controversial of them all. Now, people have no short of controversies in, over anything in the Scripture, whether it be the color of the carpet, or whether it be how you take communion, or whether it be how you do water baptism, whether you should sprinkle or do all, uh, or immerse, all this kind of thing. We've kind of split, but this particular uh, idea in Scripture is, is one of the most controversial of all. Okay, so I just had to throw that out and let you know that. Uh, maybe you've been raised in a tradition where this was, was talked about a lot. Maybe you've been raised in a tradition where this was talked about negatively or dispensationally or something like that. But we just want to go into the Scripture, just let the Bible talk for itself, and let it, let it teach you some things, all right? And you know what I, what I can offer you as far as what God has called me to do and, and the uh, teaching gift that He's given me, that, you know, it's not for information, really. I mean, I, I want to give you knowledge and information. It's not for that. Really, when, when the, the teaching gift of the kingdom, it's about you having an increase in your faith. When you hear the Word of God, it is to increase your faith. But you can't have faith without knowledge and understanding. You just can't. You have to have a level of knowledge, and you don't have to completely know everything. You don't have to always understand everything. But you have to have a level of knowledge and understanding. So God calls goofy guys like me to be able to talk this kind of stuff out to you and, uh, and break it down so that you can grab a hold of it and take it home, and it imparts something into your spirit, and you go away with more faith. If you just go away with more information, I failed. I failed my job. I want you to go away with more faith and, and, and this relationship that we got with God to increase and grow inside of you, right? All right. Now, this idea of baptism with the Holy Spirit, it's also known as spirit baptism. Maybe you heard some of these terms. Uh, it's also known as receiving the Spirit. Some have called it the coming upon experience. Uh, some have called it the second work of grace. Uh, any other terms? Anybody ever heard any other terms with that kind of thing? Anybody? 
I, I, these are the ones I know. There are probably other terms and terminologies. Um, the idea of being filled with the Spirit is also associated uh, with, with the idea of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. All right, so now water baptism ushers you into a whole new relationship with Jesus. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's almost like the, the birthing of a new life. It's the idea that you go down in the water, your old is buried, and you raise up to the newness of life is what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 6. So it, it's the, the kicking off of a new relationship with Jesus and the celebration and the ceremony that would celebrate that. The baptism with the Holy Spirit ushers you into a whole new relationship with the Spirit of God. Okay, so... It's, it's not as much of an experience, although it's oftentimes how us preachers preach it as an experience of things that can happen in somebody's life. But it's really to be the developing and the beginning of a brand new relationship and, and a new depth of your relationship with the Spirit of God. All right. Now, get, get this idea. So we know the Father sent Jesus, right? The most famous verse in the New Testament, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? So the Father sends Jesus. And Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus then comes to his disciples. We read these accounts, especially in John 14, 15, and 16. There's a lot of information Jesus imparts to his disciples. They're in that upper room type setting. In Jesus' last days, he, 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 trans, he imparts a lot of information and a lot of revelation knowledge about the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is there. And it's Jesus' goal to do his work of redemption. And when he is finished... Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. So the Father sends Jesus. This is the Godhead at work here. The Father sends Jesus, and Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says some pretty uh, um, outrageous things about the Holy Spirit. That He's going to be with you. He's going to be in you. He says something that's, that's, that's kind of, I don't know, it's not, I don't want to say confused, but it's just kind of made me think, what, what's He talking about? He said that it's more expedient for you that I go away because if I do not go away, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will not come. He says it's actually going to be better for you to live with the, with the reality of the Holy Spirit living in you and with you than it would be if you were walking those dusty streets of Jerusalem with me right now, with Jesus right now. Now think about that. And he said because of the Holy Spirit coming and, and empowering believers that greater works, this is just kind of stuff that makes your mind go, that disciples of Jesus would do greater works than even Jesus did because the Holy Spirit would come. And then he said he would teach us and he would be our teacher and he would, he would teach us the things that Jesus has taught and he would expound on it so we could have a level of understanding of what it is to live in this kingdom and it is to operate and how to reach people. And he talked about the Holy Spirit would come and give us power for, for uh, you know, to live a godly life, but, but to do the, the, the calling that's upon our life, to, to live that out and to live it in power and effectiveness. Now, make no mistake about it. it, it this, I don't have time to get into the pattern of, of Jesus's life. But, you know, Jesus' ministry starts with the baptism of water. And, and when he was baptized in water, remember the, the, what, what happened? It says the Holy Spirit, like a dove, it, it kind of maybe looked like something landed on him, maybe a bird landing on him, a dove. The Holy Spirit descended upon him and rested upon Jesus. And from that moment on is when Jesus started his earthly ministry. Now think about that. If Jesus would wait upon the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, how much more important is it for us? You know what I'm talking about. 
I mean, he was the son of God before the water baptism. He was the son of God at the time of his birth, even, even pre-existing before his birth. But if Jesus, the very son of God, would need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do what God had called him to do, how much more us and all of our weakness and frailties and all the things we've got. So, so it's just, just interesting. And just remember this. The Holy Spirit is not an it. You know, it's, some people kind of slip and say things like, uh, have you received it or is it, is it happened to you? But the Holy Spirit is not an it. You know, the Holy Spirit is God. You know, the Holy Spirit is God himself that comes and resides with us and lives with us and lives in us. It's, it's absolutely amazing. You've got to kind of wrap your head around these concepts because it's kind of like, pff, your mind just goes, boom, really. All right. The Holy Spirit has been given to be our companion throughout our lives. You don't have to do this life by yourself in your own strength. He wants to come and help us. He wants to come and make us effective for ministry. Uh, the scripture talks about a lot of different gifts. Uh, several of them are listed uh, right there in Ephesians and, and uh, 1 Corinthians and all that kind of thing. Several gifts are listed that the Holy Spirit gives. And I think somebody's counted something like 19 different gifts. Uh, but I don't think it's just limited to that. The Holy Spirit comes and empowers us to be our companion. Gives us all kinds of things. Right? Revelation knowledge as well. As far as our relationship with the Holy Spirit, the scripture talks very plainly about he can be received. So you can, you can walk with him. You can be led by him, be led by the Spirit. Those who are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God, the scripture says, right? So you can receive the Holy Spirit. And that, that means that you're in this, this, uh, this cooperative relationship, this submissive relationship that where you're submitted to his lead, leadership and you re learn to receive the Holy Spirit. And we've got to kind of learn to receive him and, and kind of learn to be uh, receptive and, and, and uh, cognitive and aware of his presence and his voice and his promptings. So we learn to receive the spirit. But the scripture also says that we can quench the spirit. We can quench the spirit. And what does that mean? Well, that, that kind of means that the Holy Spirit is trying to, to take you or lead you in a certain direction. And you really have the ability to quench that. We probably all have done that. You know, I know I have. I've done all three of these. I've received him, I've quenched him, and I've grieved him. I've done all three of those, unfortunately. But he can be quenched. He can, he, somebody said one time that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. You know, he, he will lead you as long as you were willing to follow. That is true. But there are also times when he can take charge. I can promise you that he's done that for me. Ask the Apostle Paul if he thinks the Holy Spirit's always a gentleman. Because the Holy Spirit met him on the road to Damascus and knocked him slam off his horse, you know what I'm saying? Off his high horse, so to speak. <laughs> but for the most part, the Holy Spirit is very cooperative with your will, your desire, your level of understanding. He's very, he's very cooperative with that. So he can be quenched. And he also can be grieved. I think when, when believers sin and don't, don't do the will of the Father and willingly disobey and things of that nature, uh, I believe the Holy Spirit is very grieved. I believe when the Holy Spirit looks out across our land and sees the old chaos and craziness that's going on, I believe he's very grieved over a lot of things. You know. And if you're a spiritual person and are growing in this idea of, of your spiritual senses growing, you, you know when you're in step with him, you know when you've quenched him, or you eventually know when you've quenched him. I mean, it's just real simple, just a real simple thing. It, it, it was a while back, but... Just to give you an example, I was, um, 
I felt like I was supposed to say something to a, a, a young lady that was in the, the driving window. I believe the Lord just kind of dropped, impressed a word upon me just to share with her, just a word of encouragement with her. And I was just in a hurry, you know, and I didn't really want to, you know, I mean, I just, I, I'm not as spiritual all the time as I am on Sundays. You understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> I just was in a hurry. I just wanted to get my cheeseburger and go and you want me to do something. And she's in a hurry too and all that kind of stuff. So I, I did. And, uh, I, I, I pulled off out the driveway just like I was supposed to, and the Holy Spirit just said, Did, "Didn't I tell you to do something?" I mean, just real plain. In fact, He calls me boy. Went boy, <laughs> boy. Didn't I tell you? I know I, I, He's got my attention. Maybe I hear my dad's voice a little bit in that. But He, 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 I, I, I didn't do what He wanted me to do, and he, I said, "Okay." So I had to go back around. I had to do a U-turn in the road. I had to come back in through the deal, and I went back inside, and I had to, get, I had to make a big old deal out of it now. You know what I'm saying? And, and it, would, it could have just been something real simple, and I could have just dropped a blessing on her life. And I could, but then I had to go all backtrack. And, of course, I hadn't always backtracked. Sometimes I'd just go, ah, missed opportunity. But I had to go back and make this big old deal. But I, I, I quenched him. I, he wanted to do something. Maybe I even, I don't even remember what it was, to be honest with you, but maybe I thought it was, uh, it's not going to make that much of a difference. But listen to me. There is, there is value and fruitfulness in every act of obedience that you respond to. Every act. It doesn't matter if it's paying for somebody's candy bar at the cash register, handing them a dollar bill, saying God bless you. Every act of obedience is important. It's important to the people that are hearing it, because God, God uses all that. But you know, you know who it's mostly important to? You. It's important for you to continue to be tender to his voice and to listen and respond, right? And he can be grieved. I believe when we sin, I think I mentioned that, when we sin, he's grieved. He's very, you, ever, you ever felt the grief of the Holy Spirit? He, he, will put, he will let you feel his grief and it will turn into conviction if, if, if you're not too hard of heart about it. See what I'm talking about. So this relationship, we're developing this relationship. And obviously the optimum is to be led by the Spirit and learn to receive Him, learn to receive all of His instructions. All right. Now this, this idea of baptism, baptize, it's the idea of immerse, right? We've kind of already established that idea. It, it means to immerse. Because we're talking about in water, it's to be immersed in water. Now this is a different idea, a phrase that's in the Bible. It's, it's talking about to be immersed in, or with the Holy Spirit. To be immersed with the Holy Spirit. Or to be baptized or be, have the baptism with the Holy Spirit. To immerse you into the life and reality of the Spirit of God. And there's so much that He wants for us. There's so much that He desires for us. There's so much He desires for our world and our communities and our families. And He wants a people who are fully immersed into His life and into the reality of who He is. That's what He wants out of us. And literally what the Holy Spirit helps us do is he helps us to become more fully human. Now, I know it seems like that uh, at times this has all kind of been perverted. And a lot of people who talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, they're weirder than a three dollar bill. And you got you got all these serial Christians, you know what serial Christians are, the fruits, nuts and flakes, you know, that kind of thing. You, you got all that. But, but that's not really what he wants to do. He. <laughs> You just got that, huh? Uh, that's right. 
He really wants to help you become more fully human. What it really is to be human. What it really is to be the real you. Because see, all of our life, what sin has done, sin has taken us down the wrong path. Sin has always taken us to, to diminish us. It's promised to give us all this good stuff, but it literally detracts. It really literally subtracts from our life and causes us to be less of who we are. The Holy Spirit comes and says, now if you will listen to me and follow me, I want to take you down this path to show you who you really are, Summer. To show you who you really are, Carol. You have no earthly idea who you really are. So we need a helper. We need a companion to come and, and teach Ron how, what it really is to be Ron. And, 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 and really where he's taken me is if Jesus was Ron in Ron's life, he's taken me down that path, the way, the truth, and the life path. He's taken me down that path to show me what it really is to be fully me, to be fully human. Because here's the truth. Jesus is the only one who has truly lived the human life, really, the way it's supposed to be lived. And the Holy Spirit wants to come and help us be who we really are. And let me say it like that. He, he, he comes to help us become who we really are. All right. Now, this, this idea of, of being immersed into his life and reality, I, I picture this like under a waterfall. You know, whenever I go hiking, I always like to find the waterfalls, you know. They're just majestic and beautiful. Even the small ones trickling down the mountainside, I just love them. But I've had, I've had the privilege to see some pretty good-sized waterfalls and to stand underneath them. And that's kind of what I see in this, this idea of being immersed, be immersed in the Spirit. It's this idea of you're, you're under this waterfall of God's goodness and grace and presence, and He is just cascading over you, immersing you in a whole life that prior to you didn't even know existed. Or maybe have faint ideas of what it was. It's this idea of being, I just, I, I love that picture. I see myself, when I say that, I see myself standing there underneath the waterfall and God's goodness just landing all over me. Being immersed in his presence. All right. Now, Jesus is known as the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't have time to look at all these passages, but this phrase right here, he who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit this phrase is found in all four Gospels, okay? In Matthew 3 right there, Mark 1, Luke 3, and over in John 1. We're going to read that one in just a moment. This phrase, Jesus is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, see, that's safe for me because I, I really don't like a whole lot of stuff that comes from people and men. I, I, you know, I, I don't want a whole lot of stuff, but if this is what Jesus does, it's safe ground to know that I can go to him and he, can, he will help me. There's a lot of chicanery and a lot of silliness and a lot of stuff that goes and uh, animations and all kinds of crazy stuff. And it really kept me locked up for a long time, to be honest with you. So I was raised in, in, in an old school Pentecostal church. So I've, I've seen a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I don't even want to because it'll sound critical and I don't want to be critical of anybody. But I saw some stuff that I just sit back as the preacher's kid I just say, uh-huh, mm, Lord, help me, Jesus. And, you know, I, I didn't want to be judgmental or critical, but some stuff was just crazy. 
And then you'd see other people that would supposedly operate in certain giftings and things like that. And then the next thing you know, they're off, gone, done, gone crazy, talking about my dad, talking about trying to split the church over this, that, and the other. And, uh, it really bothered me a long time, you know, and it hindered me. Now, it's my fault because I didn't press in, and, and, but, but, you know, there's a lot of silliness that goes along with some of this. It really kind of locks us all up. But if I know I can go to Jesus... And he's the baptizer. That helps me out a whole lot. That helps me out a whole lot. Now, he may use somebody, but I, we, we've got to remember he's the one that does this. Okay? It's not a Pentecostal thing. It's not a charismatic thing. This is Jesus and his people thing. You hear me? Okay. Now, let's read that John 1 passage right there. Now, this is, this is John the Baptist talking, Okay. Now, John the Baptist is not the same guy who wrote the book. Now, this is John, he's John the disciple, but this, this is a story about John the Baptist, okay? The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. This is John saying, John the baptizer. I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him. I didn't know him like that as Messiah. But he, was sent, he, has, he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. There's that phrase right there. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Now, right here in this John chapter 1, these, these, these five short verses we just read, there are three ways to see Jesus. Three ways. And John just lays it out. We can see Jesus as the Lamb of God. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We, we talked a little bit about that Sunday, didn't we, about the cross. Jesus is, and there's no other way to salvation but seeing him as the Lamb, the sacrificial Lamb who takes away the sin of the world, the sin of Ron, the sin of Paul, every, whoever comes to him takes away their sin. He's the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb. John says we need to see Jesus like that. He also says that he, Jesus is the Son of God. We talked about that a little bit Sunday, that the cross and the resurrection, the idea is, is just like they were on that Mount Carmel talking about, you know, the Lord, He is God. The cross and the resurrection are, are demonstrations to show us that Jesus is God. Jesus, He is God. He's the Son of God. Okay? That's another way to see Him. See, that's another dimension. He's the Lamb of God. That has to do with His humanity and His atoning sacrifice. But the Son of God has to do with His divinity. You see the difference? So that's another way to see Jesus. In fact, John's gospel, it, it really begins to unpack this whole idea to see Jesus as the divine Son of God. And then he says there's a third way to see Jesus, that He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Those are all real important, all working together. Seeing Jesus as, as God, seeing Jesus as the Lamb, but also seeing Jesus as the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. He's got something for you that you haven't tapped into yet. All right. So let's go to Jesus' words. In Acts 1, 
go to verse 4. You got it there in your notes right there? Or pull it up on the screen? Excuse me, let me get some water. My, my throat's a little dry here. Verse 4. Now, these are the last recorded words of Jesus in his earthly ministry. Okay, now, he's, he's died on the cross. He resurrected on the third day. He has been alive for 40 days, for 40 days on the earth, walking, teaching the disciples things concerning the kingdom of God. He's had several encounters that are recorded in the Gospels with him for 40 days. He is getting ready to ascend into heaven, to ascend to the throne. These are his final words to his disciples. So that's got to be like mega important. You know what I'm talking about? It says this, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, with, with the disciples, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Now, this idea of the Holy Spirit is, is called the promise of the Father. You could go into to the prophet Joel's writing, especially in Joel chapter 2. You could read more about the idea of the promise of the Father, what it is. But this is something that the Father has promised from ages past. This is the Father's promise that I will not leave you comfortless. I am going to send the Holy Spirit. All right. It's the promise of the father. And Jesus says, you have heard this from me. You have heard this from me. In other words, I, all the stuff I've taught you about the Holy Spirit. Again, John 14, 15 and 16 are, are real key points of some of the ideas of what the Holy Spirit is to come to convict us and do all the things he does for us. Jesus said, you've heard this from me. I've planted these seeds in you of truth. And now the reality is about to come come to pass. For John, John the baptizer, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. It's going to turn out that on the 40th day Jesus ascends, they're going to tarry in Jerusalem for 10 days. They've got 10 days of, of they go to the temple in the morning, I'm sure. They go to the temple in the evening, I'm sure, for the time of prayer. Um, they're probably doing all their commerce and stuff. You know, it says that they're in the upper room. I don't see them locked up in an upper room for 10 days, 120 people. They're coming and going and worship services and having meetings together and eating together and all that kind of stuff. They're coming and going throughout Jerusalem. That's my personal opinion and understanding of it. Verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Now, here he starts talking about all this powerful stuff going to happen to him and all that. And their mind instantly races to end times. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> their mind instantly races. Is this the end of the world or the beginning of the kingdom coming to Israel? Is this, when are you going to return, Lord? When are you going to return? There's a lot of buzz going on about that now. And some of that talk can be very fruitful and profitable. But Jesus does something here and he diverts their attention away from the idea of the restoration of all things. He takes their attention to this. He says, verse 8, but you shall receive power. I hear him saying this. You want to know when the end of all things is going to come and when I'm going to return. I want you to understand what you need today is the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life. That's where your focus needs to be. Not on when I'm coming. I'll take care of my business and we'll, we'll come back when it's time. I want you to focus on this. You hear him saying that? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem 
and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You could really take the book of Acts and, and divide it up in, in ideas of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The book of Acts kind of starts unfolding this plan that Jesus just stated right there. Okay, And, and remember, the book of Acts is, is a, about 28 chapters over about a 40-year period. Okay, So it's about the first generation of the, the church and what happens in it. So it's only uh, inspired church history we have. Okay, a lot of church history for the last 2,000 years, but the only inspired church history we have is right here in the book of Acts. So it's very, very important to us. It kind of sets a pattern for what God wants to do in our, in our lives as well, I believe. Now, Jesus is talking about, I'm the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. And what's the purpose of this baptism with the Holy Spirit? What does he say they're going to receive? They're going to receive power. Power. For, for what purpose? To be witnesses to Jesus or of Jesus or for Jesus, however you want to word that. To be his witnesses, right? To fulfill the Great Commission, right? To be able to take this to the ends of the earth. And at this particular time, what has just happened in Jerusalem like 40 days ago? Jesus was killed. His message is not the most popular thing in Jerusalem. You know what I'm talking about? Not to mention Judea. Not to mention Samaria. They've always had trouble in Samaria. And not to mention to the ends of the earth, which are the Gentiles. They don't even know he exists, to be honest with you. Not until Paul gets to them. The, what is a witness? You're going to receive power so that you can become my witnesses. What, what's a witness? I mean, it's kind of a legal term, isn't it? What's, what's a witness? You're a witness to an event that happened. And you, you, if you're a witness in a court of law, you are called to give your story about what happened in that particular event. If it's in a court situation, right? If it's in, in just conversation, you are, you are going to talk to somebody and bear witness or give testimony or just talk to them about what happened. So Jesus is saying you need power to tell people what actually happened. That power is going to come in the form of boldness. It's going to come in the form of miracles. It's going to come in the form of, of spiritual words and prophetic words and all kinds of utterances and words of wisdom and words of knowledge. It's going to come in all kinds of ways, miracles and gifts of healings. All that kind of thing is going to bear witness that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. Jesus proved who he was when he was here. When he left, guess whose job it is now to prove to the world who Jesus really is? It's the witnesses. It's the people who have seen and heard something and it's now their job to pass that message on. It's not our job to convince. We want to do as good a job as we possibly can to convince people. But our job is not persuasion. Our job is witness. Our job is testimony. Our job is to testify. So we've got the story of the gospels we've got to witness. We've got to pass this on. But we also have the story of my good news, your good news. And sometimes I find out that that can be extremely, extremely powerful. And God will put some power behind that when you begin to bear witness of your story with God and telling about the good news that happened to you and you bear witness of that. You know what I'm talking about? 
When we hear the word witness in the church, we think about meeting at the church at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning, going to knock on doors. Nothing wrong with that. That can be very, very helpful. But a witness is not something you do. It's really something you are. You know what I'm talking about? Help me out. Y'all done got quiet. I'm about to go sleep in this church. <laughs> Help me out. Talk to me. Any questions, comments? Well, there, you, you should always be able, uh, I, Dr. Lorstorfer, years ago, you should always be able to tell someone three things that God's done in your life. You know. That's good. And just, just, just three quick points. Look, he did this, this, and this. That's good. I can only tell you what he's done for me, or I can tell you what how a healing or something happened. But you should always be able to tell somebody. And mm -hmm. the one you tell about one person, the next time it's going to be easier to tell. You're going to have that boldness That's that good. the Holy Spirit will give you in order to tell. That's good. People in your lifetime of being a your Christian walk. That's good. And you know not. Not many of us, there's not many Billy Grahams that's ever been born. We're not going to stand in front of millions and preach and do all that kind of thing. But we can stand in front of the ones and the twos and the family members, and the friends, co-workers, those kind of things. And really, this kingdom's built one at a time, really. That's really how the kingdom's built. You reach a few, I reach a few, and next thing you know, it begins to build a community. It begins to build a church. It begins to build a movement in an area to where a lot of people begin to bear witness and then the kingdom comes in a way that, wow, just begins to be a blessing to everybody, even those who are not part of it. You see, so question. You don't have to answer, but just think. What have you seen and heard? I mean you. What have you seen God do? I mean, it may have been something he did in somebody else's life, and maybe there was a healing that you witnessed or something like that. Maybe, maybe it was something that he did in somebody else. But what did you see him do in you too? What have you heard him say? And just learning to pass these things on. And Jesus says right here, you're going to need power to do this. We know that. Because we've all got to those moments where we know we're supposed to witness and boom, it just didn't seem like I was able to do it. You know what I'm talking about? We've all kind of backed off of those kind of things. So we've got a real need here. Now here's, here's the idea of power. It's the, it's the word dynamis or dunamis. It literally means this, to be made able. To be made able, to be given ability, to be made capable or to be given power to perform a particular action. In this case, he's talking about being the witnesses, okay? Now, how is the world going to know that Jesus is a healer? But there's going to have to be people in the community that operate in the gifts of healing so that they know Jesus is a healer. How are they going to know that Jesus is who he says he is? Because all of these different aspects of Jesus with all the people involved, how are they going to know Jesus is love and compassion? 
Well, there's going to be people that take of their resources, no matter how large they are, no matter how small they are, they're going to be people that are generous with the things that they have, and they're going to witness the fact that Jesus has made you to be generous towards me. Nobody's ever done that before. You know what I'm talking about? How's the word going to know? God wants to make us able and empower us or give us the power to perform. Now, this is not just ordinary human power. It's not just brain powers. It, this is supernatural power he's talking about. Jesus is talking to 11 men. Now, one's already betrayed, so it's 12 minus one. Now, they've added Matthias. I guess there's 12 now. He's talking to 12 people, and we know that 120 show up in the upper room. So evidently, those 12 went out and recruited some folks after that upper room experience and all the things that they've done. They've gone back and recruited, and now we've got 120 and Jesus is talking about supernatural power that he wants to give. Now, again, this power, who's the source of this power? Jesus is the source and the Holy Spirit is the source, right? Now, this idea of, of dynamis or dunamis, it's, it's explosive power. Do you see that word? If I cover that word up right there, what does that word look like to you? Dynamite. What's dynamite do? Explodes, don't it? It explodes. Of course, dynamite not handled properly can be destructive. That's kind of a lot, lot of the stuff that's happened in the name of the Holy Spirit has been very destructive. But he, God's not talking about this right here, about being destructive. He's talking about an explosive power. Now, what you see in the book of Acts is literally explosive. And in one generation, the entire world is affected by the seed of these 120 people that are going to be in this room right here. Do you hear me? I mean, it's going to be amazing. I mean, you, you see, we're, we're going to the day of Pentecost next. On the day of Pentecost, something explosive happened. And all of a sudden, 120 exploded into 3,120. And then the next encounter we have, then there's another 5,000. Boom. So now 3,120 now. Boom. It's 8,120 now. And then, boom, you hear the, the, the Jewish leadership, the religious leadership comes, and they say, the whole city of Jerusalem has been turned upside down by this. Why? Explosive power. And something exploded on the scene on this day I'm going to talk about right now. Something exploded on the scene that we ought to be hungry for. You hear me? Acts 2. So Jesus has said, go and tarry in Jerusalem. This is... This is the, the event he's, going, he's talking about is going to happen. And when the day of Pentecost, now the day of Pentecost, that's one of the feasts, right? So this is a scheduled day on God's calendar. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Penta 50, 50 days after Passover, right? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I want you to, the first thing that those believers did, they heard something. They heard a symphony of sounds that came from heaven. I don't know what it sounded. They, the, the text says right here, it sounded like a, a roaring wind. I, I don't know, but it would have been, anybody ever been in a, a tornado? You know, they talk about that train thing. You hear that... That, the big roar of a choo-choo train. And I, I can promise you, I've, I've heard it. I've heard it in my truck before. <laughs> I don't want to go there. But here, take note. 
they heard something, right? And this sound filled the whole house where they were sitting. Had to be a pretty sizable house. You get 120 people, you couldn't get 120 people in my house. So it had to be kind of a sizable upper room place, gathering place, wherever they were in Jerusalem there. This sound filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now notice what happens. This is a spectacular day, and this day now, this day changed the way God relates to people. This was a whole new thing he's doing now because of all that Jesus has done and provided. This is a whole brand new thing God is doing in the earth. Verse 3, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Okay, now you could just take the word tongues. You know, the, the idea, a flame kind of looks like a tongue is the idea. It's these divided flames that look like fire. And one sat upon each of them. So we've got 120 folks that look like their hair is on fire in this room. <laughs> now, I'm serious now. This is oddball stuff. But this is that explosive power. And the, the difference is, you know, we, we have stories in the scripture like the Spirit of the Lord come upon this one. The Spirit of the Lord come upon Ezekiel. The Spirit of the Lord come upon uh, this particular, come upon David. You know, all these people that throughout the Old Testament, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. But what's going to happen is that ordinary people, Joel would say men servants and maid servants, sons and daughters, the high and the, the, the low, just people of all spectrum, everybody gets to participate in this idea of what God is doing now. It's not just the prophets. It's not just the priests. It's not just the kings anymore. It's you and I. We can now all participate and each body, each person in that, this, this encounter gets their own little power pack from the Holy Spirit. You see that? I don't have to live off of what Miss Pat's got. She's got a lot of it. I don't have to live off of what she's got. I can have my own experience, my own relationship, and my own pack of power because, see, Miss Pat can't go with me everywhere I go. And whoever's with me, my mentor, the one that, my friend, my encourager, my pastor, they can't go with me everywhere I go. So God said, this, this time, what I want to do for all of my people is to give them their own power pack. It's not to be used for their own purposes, but it is theirs. It's theirs. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Oh, that's where you lose me right there, preacher. Can we just read the Bible for what it, what it is? Something happened. They heard something. Each one of them got this demonstration of power. Now, this, this idea doesn't happen. These, these flames of fire and all that doesn't happen anymore, anywhere else that we know of in, in history. Okay? This is a one-time one event. Because the idea was, in the tabernacle, when God sanctioned the tabernacle, he brought fire. Fire from heaven. When God sanctioned the temple that Solomon built, he brought fire from heaven, basically saying, fire being the presence of God, this is my house. Woo! What's he saying now? He brings the fire of his presence to his people and he says, hey, I moved. I changed residence. This is now my house and he's in 120 people. This is what Jesus is talking about, the greater things, because now it's not just him walking the streets. Now it's 120. Now it's 3,120. Now it's 8,120 power packed, Jesus filled, Jesus loving witnesses going around, doing the work of the ministry, helping people, healing people, worshiping God with everything they've got. It's all over the place now. It's unstoppable. In fact, that's the very last word of the book of Acts. You know that? It's unhindered. 
It's unstoppable, this idea. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. What a day. And they began to speak with other tongues. Now, the idea of tongues in this particular context is languages. They began to speak in these other languages. It's going to unpack itself in just a minute. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Hmm. So they heard something and then they began to speak something. And they were all filled, verse 5. They were all there, excuse me, and there were <laughs> dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Why were they there in Jerusalem? Why were they there? It's a feast, right? It's, it's, the, it's the feast of Pentecost. It's, it's the day of Pentecost right here. So when the feast come, the Jewish people from all over, if you're, if you're especially, if you're able-bodied, you have to come. Unless you've got a really good excuse. You have to come. So, so Jewish folks from all over uh, Europe, from all over uh, the Middle East, all over these other nations, they're coming. Now think about the genius of God here. Because in one fell swoop, he can hit this place and literally affect the entire world. Because truly, those 3,000 people that got saved that day, they didn't all stay in Jerusalem. Guess where they went? They went back home. Guess what they took home? <laughs> they got their own power packs. <laughs> they took it home with them. All right. So there were these people from every nation. Verse 6. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together. So evidently the people in the house heard it, but there was such a commotion that other folks heard it outside. It kind of drew a crowd. And they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So now the people are, are not in the upper room anymore. Do you see that, where they at now? They done broke out. <laughs> they, done, they left the upper room. Now they're in the streets of Jerusalem. And this crazy phenomenon's happening. I'm not going to pretend it's not weird. This is weird. Miracles are weird. If they weren't weird, they wouldn't be miracles. Isn't that the truth? And if it's something you can explain and you can formulate into a doctrine, it's probably not a miracle. You know what I'm talking about? If it's something you... See, they're not to explain the miracle. They're to witness the miracle. You know what I'm talking about? How do you explain somebody getting healed like supernaturally? Maybe you've seen that happen. How do you explain that? Well, one minute they were there, and the next minute I know that his, his leg grew out. What? How do, you, how do you explain that? I don't know. I just saw it. Say, that's a witness. You're not trying to explain it. You just tell them what you saw. They heard them speak in his own language. Verse 7. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? So in other words, most of 120 must have been people from the Galilee part up there where Jesus was doing his ministry most of the time. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And then he begins to lay out these languages. Now, this is, this is wild. It's a wild day in Jerusalem here now. You got 120 people who got a southern accent. You know, it'd be like you going, it'd be like us southerners with all this, how would they know we're from the south? Well, I go everywhere in the world, and they say, where are you from, boy? <laughs> they, know we're from, they know where we're from by our accent, right? And then all of a sudden, think about this. We're, we're all joined up in the middle of Birmingham, had a, got a church convention, the Holy Spirit followed, and then at the same time, there's all these foreigners that's in town. 
And each one of us began to go to these foreigners and you're over there speaking Mandarin, you speaking French, and, and you, you, you speaking English, unlike you ain't never spoke before. What in the world? It's crazy. <laughs> Just appreciate the miracle. The Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, these are all the people that were represented in the nations. Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya. That's, that's Africa now. We, it's on down in Africa. Libya joining Cyrene. Visitors from Rome. That's Italy over there. Both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs. That's over in the Middle East over there. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. You know, the odd thing, this is odd. This is odd, to say the least. Because most of these Jews probably spoke Hebrew. That's how they're communicating with them now. They probably spoke Hebrew along with another tongue of their land. They, I'm sure they had to speak Hebrew for the most part because that's what the scrolls were written in. They had to read those, or, or, or at least Greek maybe by this time. And they heard them speaking in these other languages, the wonderful works of God. And here's the, the two reactions you get. So they were all amazed and perplexed saying to one another, whatever could this mean? What is going on? <laughs> Amazed and perplexed. Others were mocking, saying they are full of new wine. Hmm. So you got, two, you got these people that are amazed and perplexed, maybe inquisitive. What's going on? What, what, what does all this mean? That's really where we want people. But you got this other crowd over here. What are they doing? Does it mean to mock? Make fun of they began to mock them, and they said, these people are drunk. Now, with that being said, there must have been something going on. It wasn't your normal Sunday service, I don't think. I don't know if anybody's ever accused you of leaving church and saying you were drunk. Has anybody ever done that? <laughs> That's why they, they talked about them. So, obviously, there was some sort of experience that they had that literally changed everything about them. And it changed everything from that day on. Isn't that interesting? All right, before I move on, any questions or comments about, about this Acts 1 and 2 thing? So this Acts 1 and 2 right here, this is, the part, this is the part of the book that makes Christians just tremble. They're just like, oh, Lord, what are we going to do with that? Most people don't know what to do with it. A lot of people have put this off to dispensationalism and said, you know, that was what God did then. He doesn't do this kind of stuff anymore. But I want to propose something to you. The church is at a position now, even our church, the church in general, but our church too, to where we're in need of power like we never had before. People need, not just the church needs power, but people need the witness of Jesus, therefore the church needs the power of the Spirit. You see what I'm talking about? And you can mock these things and you can dispensationalize it and that's part of the junk that's happening in the church and all it, you know you believe in Jesus and then you find out all the stuff he's not going to do for you. That's crazy. Just read the book, put your faith in his word, hear what it says, take what he gives. Amen.
Talk to me about Acts 1 and 2. I know, I know you got questions about it. I do. I've got a lot of questions about all this. I've often wondered, you know, if it would have been me there and I started speaking French, how'd I do that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think about those 120. They had, they had quite an experience themselves. You know? They ain't no going back home now, boys. <laughs> we can't go back now. Things have changed. You know? We are all different personalities. Some are extroverts, some are introverts, and they all had such boldness, such power, and such. And you know what? God will work with all of our personality types and all that kind of stuff. But He wants to take a timid person and give them boldness. He works with your shyness, but He wants to add to it boldness. And those who are too bold, we may add a little humility to that too, but He wants to work that in his direction too. Now, you, you think about what was going on in that upper room now. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of information on it other than there's a, a tornado and fireballs everywhere. <laughs> I mean, you, you could sit all of them in this, in this sanctuary right here. Now you think about that. If something like that broke loose, it would be quite a day. Now, I don't think they were like, Miss Pat, what's that on your head? <laughs> what, what, what? I, don't, I don't think it was anything like that. I don't think it's, it was anything like what we experienced church to be, to be honest with you. I'm not saying every service is supposed to be like that at all. But this day changed history, but it also changed their three... 1,120 lives. Boom. Exploded right there. You think about that. I, 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 I'm sure when all that happened in that room, there were some people crying. There were some people laughing. There were some people shouting. There were some people falling on their face. There were some people jumping up and down. You know how people are. Just go to Alabama football game. you see all of it there. You don't see no all right. You're not going to talk to me too much? All right. Just just think about it. I, I want to hear you. We're going to go back into some of this next week. We're, going, we're actually going to kind of do a little, take a little trip through the book of Acts and see the outpouring of the Spirit on people's lives and just see what happens. See what happens and just let, let the Word, not, not church denominations, not our experience, not our background, but let the Scriptures shape our understanding of what Jesus is talking about. Okay? So what you're going to see, oh man, it's time to go in it. You're going to see a pattern emerge. This is the last three right here. You're going to see a pattern emerge that they hear something, they're filled, and then they speak. You're going to see a pattern emerge. Okay, That's what happened to them. They heard a sound. They were filled. The house was filled. They were filled. And then they went out and spoke. There's something that happens. Because see, there's an there's a, a, a overarching principle that was working here. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. They got filled with the Holy Spirit that day, and it affected their speech, the way they talked. And it is something that God would, would give us an experience that would have the capacity or, or the potential to take over the most unruly member. I say take over, but to, to govern. Let's say it like that, to, to control or, or to put a, put a governor on. The most 
uncontrollable member of your body, which is that tongue that has got you and me in more trouble than we care to shake a stick at. And God would give an experience to say what I want to do with that tongue that's caused you to hurt a lot of people, caused you a lot of grief and pain. What I would like to do is give you an experience that would help you speak different. But you just don't change your mouth. Your heart's got to get full of something. Right? So we need more power in our lives, don't we? We need more power in our church. Jesus said you can receive it when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we, we need more understanding. We need more help in this area. There's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But Lord, you, have some, you had something in mind when you spoke that. You had something in mind for those people that would enter that upper room. But Lord, your wisdom could look down the eons of time. And you had something in mind for us when you spoke that. And Lord, that's what we want. That's what we want. We want, don't want to be influenced by the doctrines of men or all, all the things of a, the past or, or the powerful personalities of people. We don't want to be influenced by all that. We want you to give us what you've got for us. We want you to help us. And Lord, immerse us into the life of the Spirit that we've only heard about. Whatever that means, however that, un, however that plays out for us. We'll let you handle all that part. Help us. We need your power. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.